Hello. Welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv slash rolltogetherrpg slash schedule. Please do leave a review, and we look forward to adventuring together. Welcome to Talk Together. Hope you're all having a lovely um, morning, afternoon, evening, depending on where in the world you are. Uh, we are in the evening when we're streaming anyway, and I am here talking to Christian. Christian from uh, Superior Adventures Guild. Hello, Mary. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. A little knackered from the day of work, but otherwise, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yes, do you, what we must. We do what we must. You have a real job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't sell short what you do either. I mean, no. Yeah. If no, you no. have obligations and you have people you answer to or that answer to you, then it's a job. It's a job. job. Yeah. Someone tell my dad. No, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, yes, no, are we going down that? Because oh, no, if we're going down that not, alley. Just not. I mean, <laughs> anyway. I'm Chris, and uh, you'll be, I'll be talking to Christian about all things uh, TTRPG, D&D, you name it, we're going to do it. Um, yeah, now just importantly to mention at the top of this show, in case you don't know who Christian is, um, you are the one, well, a uh, dungeon master, games master, and uh, creator over at uh, Superior Adventures Guild, which are part of the Rolling Together um, stream team, which is how we know Absolutely. each other, isn't that right? Yes. Yes, it is. It is, Good. in fact. Um, for those who don't know what SAG is, tell us a bit about SAG. Uh, the Superior Adventures Guild is a guild, um, <clears throat> a small group of uh, friends from the Lake Superior area. So we don't, it's not because we think we're so much superior in our belts, because it's the group that started the guild originally. We're from around Lake Superior uh, in Minnesota. And like, uh, I don't know, two bazillion other people, they decided during the uh, pandemic to, since they were going to play online anyways to start streaming and then after the whole pandemic thing was over they were like hey we like this <laughs> so they kept on going with that uh and so it's been like going on i want to say probably close to three years now uh, mm-hmm. i don't know the exact incept date of the uh, of the guild uh and in august last year uh i joined um i was a fan for a while uh watching their streams whatnot and i joined and we just sort of started it really kind of trying to grow the guild and doing more shows and so on and so forth. And um, Dave Grandmaster, who's the DM Dave, who's the, the the guy who created the guild and who surrounds the guild, um, was doing it all on his own for a super long time, just running all the games and doing all the stuff. And he was looking for some people to, you know, to help out and do a bit more. And so mm-hmm. here we are doing what we do. We had uh, last year at our peak, we had like, I think five shows going at some point. Uh, which was too much really for the <laughs> amount of people that we were working on it but so uh you know impressive. we were young and uh really <laughs> we were never young this is lies yeah, this is things true. people tell us and we look at nod and sagely and say yeah 
we yeah, pretend. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we learned a lot, and uh, you know, we scaled back a little bit this year just to mm-hmm. preserve sanity. And yeah, we're uh, we're here, and uh, the guild continues to do what it's always done, just to focus on you know being inclusive as much as possible and uh, helping other people. Dave's motto is uh, "Heroes at the table and heroes in real life." So he's being into the fundraising and all that. So mm-hmm. um, you know, we're 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 doing our thing and playing games with people and having fun. And where can they check you out? What's the Twitch channel? What's the what's, the what's... Twitch channel is the deal twitch.tv forward slash guild superior. Lovely. Check them out. They are spectacular and fantastic. And what shows oh, can you, we watch you. at the moment? What's currently streaming? Uh, we are sort sort of in a, a, a lull right now because uh, my two shows finished mm-hmm. last week and I have a, yeah. like a two week break. But currently we have the ongoing uh, Heroes of Greyhawk, which is a DM Dave's campaign that they've been playing since the beginning. I play in that. We played last night on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play in that now. Um, after that, we have uh, Miko, the OKSGM, runs our Monday Night Mayhem game. Uh, he's currently doing a short arc for four game arc uh, based in his homebrew world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we that's a, a show where we rotate GMs and systems and groups every two, three or four sessions, depending on how things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Dave is starting on Sunday. I was running a Vason, which ended last Sunday and now for the mm-hmm. next five or so weeks. Uh, Dave is running a Mothership game, which is a mm-hmm. sci fi horror game, which is going to be pretty cool i think uh the, the game itself sounds like it's pretty uh it's pretty good and the, the people who played the uh, the tryout the other had fun so um that's that's what we got going on right now i know tons of other stuff going on too here and there but those are the games right now that uh we have on deck so cool. to speak check all of those out and check out um superior adventures guild or guild superior on on twitch and uh let's get to know christian a bit better with a couple of questions before we do Uh-oh. a couple of aob um we sponsored hero forge ultra pro Phoenix Dice, Alchemy RPG, they're all excellent. Check them out. Links in chat. And we're supported by uh, D&D Beyond, Neverwinter, and Elderwood Academy, and Idol Champions as well. So check all of those out. And of course, none of this is possible without the D20 Club. You're all marvelous and fantastic. I learned how to do this the other week. Yes! Oh. Look at it! Oh, look at it. Got it. Yes. And uh, yes, we're You're so good. hip. You're so hip. So, so they tell me. So um, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am a parent, and um, the hipness died a long time ago. <laughs> it's a long forgotten dream. Yeah, uh, when your kids tell you how uncool you are, that's that's the line, I think. <laughs> but I, I kind of think that's what you're kind of you know. Once you mm-hmm. achieve that, it's sort of like nothing else matters. Like anything can happen. You can handle oh, anything. True. Once you've, it's kind of like that. It, it, it is true that kids <laughs> redefine your um, priorities hugely in the best possible way. Like, it, it, yeah, I love my kids. They're all lovely. Anyway, um, yes, none of this is possible at the D20 Club who support all of this, and they are marvellous and fantastic. And thank you so much for all of your support. And uh, they're on Patreon. You can join them on Patreon. There'll be a link in chat. And uh, you can also watch our shows here on Twitch, here on YouTube, or here on this podcast. Because so, so, I don't know where they're listening or engaging, so you could be in any of these places. So now they're here. This is good. Right. So are you on TikTok? That's the important question. See? Okay, let's start talking about this, because <laughs> I, I'm... Mm, number one, I'm too old for TikTok. Uh, number two... Um, I have on really good authority that TikTok's a fantastic place to do your thing, and that's really lovely, mm. but there's very little traffic off. Mm. 
So unless you are literally doing everything on TikTok, that's unless it's like your baby and all the shows are there and all the little things are there, you're not going to get people going to like different things you do online as much. Like a little walled off community. And, it feels a bit like that as well from like my little like, what is this thing looking at it? It feels like, you know how platforms are like, stay on our platform. On TikTok, it's like, you just... <laughs> This platform is everything. Do not leave this platform, which it bothers me a little. Not going to lie. But yeah, I mean, you know, I I think it'll get out. People probably outgrow it at some point. I don't know. I know that mm-hmm. as a teacher, the students are super on it. But the thing I'm realizing yeah. more and more now is that, you know, it used to be I'd make the joke like, haha, Facebook, your parents are on Facebook. But now I'll yes. say like, what are you guys on TikTok? And you know, half of them are like, hey, they've moved on or do you, so I don't know. It's like, you know. That's, I mean, okay. My previous career when I wasn't doing theater and TV and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. was PR and marketing. And one of the things that we realized with the place I was working is that there are some social media platforms that really stick around. And Facebook's one of them and Twitter's the other one. And in the meantime, there are a bunch of smaller ones that will have these massive, massive peaks where they'll come out of nowhere, be huge, but then they will eventually peter out a bit. And it's difficult because spending all that time on that platform when it doesn't have a transient audience that moves off that platform onto other platforms, it's really tough to evaluate what the value of anything like that is. But that's a very boring way of saying TikTok has fun videos on it and that's that can be fun. You know, it's just because I'm old and don't care. That doesn't mean that anyone else shouldn't. There's, there's, their yeah, and then there's a, a huge discussion of yet, and this is certainly not the form for it, but of hmm. uh, what, what, and I say the kids, and I don't mean that in any way, shape, or form in uh, derogatory. Like I said, I'm a teacher, and hmm. uh, I, I, I certainly have a lot of respect for uh, for my students, mm-hmm. uh, but the young people who are on uh, on TikTok really rely on it for a lot of things that and we were talking about that with some friends this weekend like where did we learn those things like something as simple as how to cook some food or how to you know how to paint something or whatever and they're getting that there where did we get it we got it from our parents maybe or something like that or older Mm -hmm. mentors but now they're getting it from there which means that they're not getting it somewhere else so there's that disconnect there that's creating that that demand for that you know that platform and that that product to be there i guess it's also creating their social contract. It's creating their sense of who they are, what issues matter to them yeah. in a much grander way than Facebook or Twitter ever did. I mean, I think, I think that they both tried to move into that and then Facebook became conspiracy theories, Twitter became, um, you know, echo chamber. But um, TikTok more so than the other, t- than those two in particular, feels like this space where have you seen this thing? It's important that you see this yeah. thing kind of conversations yeah. happen. So, I don't know, there was a time when I was, I want to say in my 20s, but it feels a long time ago, when Snapchat was that, very briefly, where everyone was on it and everyone, everything got shared on Snapchat and then it became something very different and transformed entirely. So, I don't know, I I, I don't know quite what to make of it at the moment. I hear it's trendy. The the, the video thing is a big part of it because like, uh, I'm of that generation where if I click on the news thing and they show me a video, I'm like, give me the text, I want to read it, you know? and um uh, yeah it's true like i don't mm. that that really annoys me like i'll stop going to places because i want to read it but my students are really all about <laughs> getting that video and getting it told to them in a video format so that they don't have to read or and so i think that that's a big part of it like they're just developing this you know absorbing this uh, 
state of absorbing that comes from watching the video and sort of having all these things come at them at the same time in a very short format. It is the art of short form as well, which yeah. is really, really interesting because it's like, I mean, a lot of it is very similar to what I would describe as sketch comedy when I was a kid, where it was about mm. how can you quickly churn out these very quick, like clever things that fit together. Like there's so much camera trickery that goes on on it and people playing around with the idea of what they can do with basic CGI, but also stuff like uh, visual tricks of where someone sits in the lens and that sort of thing. I do find it very, it's clearly a huge creative outlet, which is very cool. I admire that. Which is the thing that I think is great about it. I remember when the sea chanties had two minutes in the sun there yeah. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and watching them, I was like, like, this is incredible. Like, you know, then somebody else's video adds on and they're playing in time. And I was like, I have no clue how they did it. <laughs> they did this oh. and it's it's really incredible and they're sitting there on their a, phone yeah it has, a, it has a function i can't remember what it's called um this proves how old we are i don't even know what the things are people <laughs> in the youth are doing but there's a the thing where you i think it's called something like you take someone else's video and then you just record yourself on top of it doing something else and it does so, it and, and, and it keeps the audio or something so the, there's a the, the, there was a huge amount of what in my youth we used to call remix culture and this idea that <laughs> songs could be remixed and stuff like that, which was very trendy when I was, yeah. you know, 13. So, the, but yeah, I, I, you can see a lot of the same strands, can't you? It, yeah, it's 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 the same, yeah. you know, it's the same animal, just different stripes on it really is what it is at the end of the day. And I'm going to roll a dice yeah. so we can talk about D&D. That's what I'm going to do now because we've we've, we've shot the breeze about it. But now you got me thinking, could you do like a stream thing where someone would stream something and then you would tack on your own video to responding to that so that the GMs... I don't know, I'm, I'm going to go with feasibly. I can see it. But then what would the unified product be? But then again, we're I making guess. shows for our generation. Like We know That's that. Right. Like We push a little towards younger, but in the end, three-hour videos, who watches those? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I have rolled a five. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. What's five? Just a d20 roll. Um, five is, how do you feel about cosplay? Interesting. Uh, in TTRPGs or in my private life? Let's say, let, oh, interesting. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Uh, no, no, that aspect of your life I don't wish to know about. But, um, oh, well, damn. <laughs> well, for example, like, um, have you dressed up for conventions? Have you dressed up for stream? No, in fact, I am. Uh, I, when I was a kid, I hated getting dressed up for Halloween. All the other kids would do it. And I just, for whatever reason, there's something in me that, I mean, I'm not saying I've never done it. I have, uh, uh, I did it last year for um, a friend's birthday party, and we all had to dress up as our favorite movie character, for example. <clears throat> so I did it for something like that. And occasionally, uh, you know, as a young adult uh, for Halloween, but I've never been into it i've never been interested by the idea of um disguising myself uh mm -hmm. and e even when i was a kid like at school on halloween everyone would do it and i'm sure when i was a really really young kid and we went to get candy i would do it but <laughs> personally it never it never uh, appealed to me however i absolutely 100 understand how and why it does appeal to a lot of people and yeah. i'm often amazed by it uh, i'll see uh we'll uh raid someone for example, that's doing a stream where they're in cosplay, or I'll see pictures on Instagram or whatever of people mm -hmm. doing cosplay, and and it's amazing. And again, the sheer creativity and the joy that it brings these people, and and just that uh, anything that brings fulfillment to someone, I'm like 100% for, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. But something like that, the the amount of work that goes into it, you have to love it. Uh, and mm -hmm. you know, I can only say like, 
kudos because it's it's absolutely fantastic to watch. Uh, I myself don't go in for it, but um, I suppose it leads into a conversation about LARPing when we talk about what we do as well, doesn't it? This idea of um, what we do is so on screens and so like removed from this actuality of running around in the forest. Whereas I know there are people who were LARPing and taking TTRPGs into costuming and storytelling in a grand space um, takes the tabletop out of it entirely. I must say, it's never appealed to me. I am not only an anxiety-ridden homebody, but um, like yourself, I'm not a costume person. For me, clothing is quite important because of gender conversations that I have to have. So adding an extra layer on top of disguise is something that I find difficult personally, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means that it's it's different. But that's also where LARPing has never appealed to this idea of going going out of my comfort zone, even if some even if RPGing is comfort zone, mm-hmm. leaving this comfort zone, the desk, oh, the camera. Going camping is just terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> so we're running around in the woods. Not for me. I did play one of the one of the games that had the most impact on my life, actually. And when I was uh, thinking about, you know, what kind of questions could come at me and sort of answer without thinking about the important moments in role playing in my life, a lot of that were in the three to four years where we played Vampire LARP when that thing was huge. Oh, right. Um, and some people would really get into mm-hmm. the costuming aspect of it. The most I ever did was throw on a trench coat. Um, <laughs> but in that period, I also hung out a lot in like goth clubs and I was yep. a goth DJ, but I was never goth. And I was always like, you know, the the, <laughs> the regular guy in the bunch. Um, but uh, those those days that, that LARPing was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed leaving the table behind, like I said, and going out and we would LARP in bars and uh, restaurants or hotels or wherever and uh back then there was this organization that was called uh, the shared universe and mm. there was 30 odd cities across canada and the united states and i played mm. in maybe 15 or so of them with people from most of them and we would go and have these huge conventions they'd be like 300 400 people playing vampire you know mm. back when like the first years when it came out and it was huge um and that aspect of it of embodying the character beyond just sort of playing him at a table was really really a lot of fun and it, it got you you know it really took over your life at a certain point like yeah. you really started kind of leaving at the table there's always that reminder that you're at the table and this is a game or if there's a screen you know on, the, on that but in the LARPing that it becomes so intense right and it can really mm-hmm. like really get into it so the people who are into it like I have one of my home game players is super into LARPing. She's there every summer. Every summer we have to rearrange our uh, <laughs> our gaming schedule because yeah. she goes LARPing for weekends at a time. Mm-hmm. And she's older. She's almost 60 years old and she's, okay. but she goes, you know, and I'm like, she would not give it up for the world. And I'm like, you're going to go get eaten by mosquitoes in the woods. <laughs> like, like really, you know, and she's into it. And, 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 I, and I get that, like that sense of, that level of intensity that comes from really it's, portraying that character like is is, mm, is very it's, engaging it's funny because my background is theater and, and mm-hmm. tv and and is this sense of performing but the idea of taking this and what i love about this into an outdoor arena or into um even like a vtm style club arena or a bar arena 
I can't think of anything I would, I would, I'm already so socially awkward outside of this forum. And not out of a vague sense of like, oh, I can't talk to people. It's not that. It's, I, I just find the whole experience of like conventions. I, it's such a huge part of our industry and I struggle so much to even think about going to them because I mean, being transgender is never fantastic in the outside world because the world is what it is. Mm-hmm. But on top of that is this, I, I, I find crowds difficult. I find people people coming up to me who, who are aware of who I am or and, and being excited to see me, I feel like there's an onus there on me to offer or provide something that I, I simply don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and all of that side of this I've, I've never really got on with and I think LARPing and this idea of cosplay falls into that same category for me of this like divestment, this removal yeah, it's a really weird one There's, because I I feel like I should be interested and it should be something that I like, but I I just as shivers down my spine, literal shivers. But it might be like a difference between like you know a method actor and someone who's not a method actor, someone who can just be in character and do the thing and then you know <laughs> go and do something else, where other mm. people have to really live it to be able to bring it to the table. Mm. And it's kind of like that, right? Where you're comfortable being in that character and you have no problems immersing yourself in that character within that moment. But also, I'm thinking it sounds a lot like teachers who need a podium or a lectern or something in front of them. Uh, one of right. my one of my teachers, John Miller, when I was uh, <clears throat> at university, he cut. That's what he he was one of the most respected literature minds at the college where I was at the university where I was at. But he could not go and talk in front of people unless he had his little podium that he could hang his on shield. to, and he would say it. Yeah, he was like, "This is my lifeline," you know. <laughs> and so. Maybe there's some of that too. There is that kind of protection here of being in your environment and all that. And I, I, I'm a teacher, but I'm not a social person in any way, shape, or form, like mm-hmm. at all. Um, <laughs> we, we were watching uh, The Last of Us the other day, and yeah. one of the characters goes, "I was happy when everybody else died." You know? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I really I'm like that line. I really, yeah, 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 too. I was like, it's a bit extreme, but I'm getting the. I, I, I you know, you can vibe with something without going. Exactly. Yes, that's correct. And to, totally. Hey, let us not kid ourselves. The thought of, oh, what if there was an apocalypse tomorrow and no one else was around? There's a part of me that goes, oh, what a sigh of relief. And that's so weird. In the construct of, I stream stuff online as, as a job, and yet there's there's a there's a guard. Yeah, because it's controlled, because you're controlling mm, it, right? You get to control the frame, you get to control the lighting, you get to control what you're wearing, you get to control what, what people see of you. You get to shut it off if you want at any time. Like, There's a lot of control there. And I think maybe that's, uh, you know, when you step out in front of people or go out into a crowd, like you said, people come up to you and you know they have expectations of you because of who you are and what you do. Yeah. And you start feeling, am I going to be able to fulfill those expectations? And then that I can totally get that that can be super anxiety inducing, you know, and it's, you're like, it's so weird, though. Like, I have no problem public speaking. I've done public speaking in front of thousands of people over the years, and that's no big deal. <laughs> but in this context, for some reason, it is. And I don't I don't know what it is. I don't uh, know no, why it no. is in particular. Might also be because within the context of playing a character or playing a game, mm. you are you have to put yourself um 
you have to uh what's the word i'm looking for i need an english teacher here um you have to expose yourself right you have to yes. be you, you have to be willing to go in that moment and you know maybe look a little silly or a little you know mm, yeah. but to bring that character out as an actor that's what you have to do and so if you're given a speech or something you're still more in control uh, but i don't know and then it's just the fact that sometimes some things work for us and some things don't i guess which yeah. i have no problem speaking in front of crowds either but in a party i'm like terrible <laughs> yeah yeah same very much same that the the it's the neither small talk is is, is anathema yeah. to me i find the whole idea of it weird oh but, yeah uh, small talk i can't mm. i'm like just let's just hang out in silence <laughs> i'm happy i'm I okay i a comfortable silence a good comfortable yeah. silence is is a thing having the ability to have it with a friend is so valuable yeah absolutely speaking of personas because you dm more than you play and I DM more than I play. Do you, would you say you have a DM or a GM persona, like a character that you inhabit when you are performing the role of Games Master? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's uh, it's the same thing when I when I teach. I mm. you know e- even little things like how I speak uh, or how I hold right. myself or things of that nature. But for sure, like it's not a. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that it's a. Um, a concrete persona or something that I've put thought into it's very instinctual yeah but and there's still a lot of me in there like I'm you know I'm <laughs> fairly humorous and but there is definitely a performance aspect to it and mm-hmm. I recognize that and to the point where I <laughs> my girlfriend laughs because I always I have specific clothes that I wear depending on if I'm playing in Dave's game on Tuesday nights ah. I have a specific hoodie usually that I wear and mm-hmm. whatnot and then if I'm GMing Vason, I had like a, and that, so I had that aspect, which I'm not into cosplay, but I guess I am. Uh, well, it's, it's, <laughs> but it's I had like, this is my, you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 but yeah. it's just that, it's just that one little thing. Mm. It's kind of like putting on the Superman cape where you put it on, now you're Superman, right? No one, mm-hmm. Clark Kent puts on his glasses and no one knows he's Superman. He takes them off and they know he's Superman, right? So it's that same thing where this for me signifies, all right, now I'm in my GM's. In my home game, I don't like in my home mm-hmm. game. I'm in my sweats and my flannel shirt and my hair is <laughs> like this, and I don't really care. But definitely, given the performance aspect of this, mm-hmm. um, uh, so yeah, and I would think that I don't maybe have as much of a persona when I GM my home game, but certainly on stream, for sure. How, how does the persona like? How is it different from you? What 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 are the? Where do you go? That's that's Christian the GM, and where do you go? That's Christian the human being. Like, where's that line? I don't know. Um, one of the things that I was about to say when you were asking that question, I was starting to formulate my response was, I think I'm a lot more aware of other people when AGM, um, uh-huh. but that's not entirely true because I'm super aware of other people in real life also. Okay. But um, I don't know exactly where the, I, I think I think it, a lot of it has to do with and when I GM, I let go a lot more of my ideas of things, of how things should be or how things should uh, should happen or uh, what the rules mean. Or And, you know, in my life, I have very strong opinions about a lot of things and I, you know, try to stand by them and I try to <clears throat> be stand up about those things. But once I'm in the GM's role, like, same thing as when I'm in a teacher mode, I guess they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, I'm a lot less rigid about my view of things i think and uh it's certainly something that i learned of last year when i started gming a lot online when i was doing the first of my homebrew shade song stuff i was really focused on telling my story mm. and i realized when i t- 
took stock at the end in December when I had a few weeks off and I took stock, I was like, like all the failings of that show were because of that, were because of, I was like, this is what I want to see. And so I made a lot of changes and the, the one we just finished, I thought it was so much better because I, I let go of that, but I had to do it to sort of learn. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it. It's that idea that I, I try to, I definitely come to the table letting go a lot more of what I think. And even if I think this rule makes sense and this rule is good, <laughs> and I agree with this rule in the moment. I'm super happy to change the rule or, mm-hmm. you know, let the players do something or, and I so, think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing where I've become perhaps more of a facilitator or something than. So it's, than you, you lose a bit of, um, it, a bit of that drive. That's like, no, here's what we're doing and here's how we're doing it and fall much more into the role of facilitating of everyone else's ideas becoming a much bigger yeah. part of what you're doing. Oh, I try. I, I certainly don't mm-hmm. want to say that I'm really good at it doing that because I uh, share my ego. You have to have a healthy ego to do it, the job in the first place to stand up and say, Hey, I'll run some stories to get on the stream and say, I'll, I'll run some stories for you guys and for whoever else is watching. Yeah. So you have to have your ego has got to be, you know, in a decent place. Um, it's really interesting because I play up my ego. Like, I purposely mock it. Like, I will play up that there is a thing that I want the party to do, and I expect them to go and do it, and if they don't do it, I will have some mock outrage of, do you want to go and and do the story? Do you want to go and do the plot? Um, I'll get more performative outrage, definitely. Mm. This idea of, like, performative, well, this shouldn't have happened, or damn you, dice, like, all of that slightly over-the-top-ness that I really enjoy watching in an, in a DMing because I enjoy watching uh, players screw a DM over is so strong. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to see Absolutely. players do something cool that the DM wasn't expecting and then watch the DM roll with it and roll with it in a way that makes everyone feel like their ideas are valid. And I do like the slightly over-the-top, like, no push drive the narrative come on like having that sense of drive at the top because it means that the players all feel that sense of ah, we got one over yeah 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 we got one on top we got yeah one over yeah we, we got one in we got one in and i really enjoy the thought that there are de- that there are players there going we got one in knowing that it's performative and that their audience they're going yeah. ah they got one over on the dm that sense of like it being a show where the gm is sort of antagonist but also facilitator because it's that's a really interesting line to, to boundary to, to handle because you you do need to challenge them that's the yeah. point if you if everything's a cakewalk they don't, they are not as invested but in the same vein if it's too difficult they will disassociate because it's too hard to focus so and, that, and that's definitely a big a big thing um if it's too difficult they'll they'll sort of give up and they're not having fun anymore and you can see it either as a gm or as a player when that's going on there's that tipping point right where it's 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 fun it's challenging but now it's just it's no for not fun anymore because it's yes. just you know, it's become sadistic almost in yes. in what's happening to us, right? And uh, that's something I try to be uh, very aware of because I also like challenging the characters. I always, you know, I always said I want the players to win by the skin of their teeth because yes, I guess maybe as a player, that's what I like. I like to know that I was challenged and it wasn't just a cakewalk. But getting that, and that's where experience comes in, right? The more experience you have, yeah. the more you know your players of knowing where that 
that point is I, I was watching Fracture uh, yesterday. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, uh, it's an excellent, an excellent game with so many amazing players in it. You are very uh, uh, No, I, uh, I've been paid to say this. No. Uh, and <laughs> I <absolutely>. wish. <laughs> I wish. Um, but there was that moment when things were going wrong. Everything was going so wrong. And uh, Rebecca Skechter was invisible. And then somebody else was thinking uh, of fleeing and abandoning the group. Monday's show. The Tuesday show sneaking in. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. The joy in the players' laughs once they succeeded, once or once like, you know, like you you mm. could tell that they were nervous. You could tell that they were like, oh, can I swear on this thing? Yeah, it was good. All right. You could tell like, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to not swear because I'm, I'm a, I'm a, All right. a terrible mom. So here but, we go. You, you picked up on this week's fracture and I will let you in on a couple of little secrets because I'm sure you'll appreciate this. I told them all that going to Sevit's stronghold, this place in the center, was going to be about level five. It was never going to be level five. That was never the intention. It was to make them feel scared of it, which they were. Ah. Um, when they went inside and they started going, we should sneak around and not do full frontal, let's just attack everything. That is because whenever we paused, I was there going, guys, be careful if you, I can't protect you if you just decide to fight everybody. Oh, you went, uh, you went uh, reverse psychology on them. almost like, you were like. I wanted them to be afraid and I wanted them not to, um, Take I mean, I had, I had an out if they all got kidnapped and I had an out for all sorts of different versions of how, how the argument would go. But what I wanted them as players, as their characters to do was go, we don't think we're good enough to deal with this. We don't think we're high enough level. This is, we're kids. We don't know what we're doing. And the next couple of sessions, as they deal with all the situation, is a chance for all of them to feel like, gosh, we actually achieved something here. Mm -hmm. Didn't think we would. Gosh, that came out of nowhere. How do we achieve that? And building that sense of they are teenagers. Because part of GMing that campaign for me is these characters are teenagers. Mm -hmm. I need to present them with a world as a teenager would see it. Lots of categorical right and wrong things and then muddy the water all the time to give them this sense of we don't really know what we're doing. We don't really know if this if we've made the good choice or the right choice. Um, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler. <laughs> I purposefully put all of this I stuff. Don't tell anyone. Oh no, it's on the internet. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> I purposely put in all the stuff about how Sevet's probably a terrible person because here's all the things people say about about them, and here's all the things that happen, and then just seed very gently. But maybe it's all bullshit. Maybe this is all fine. Maybe actually you've just seen this from a very bad perspective, because as teenagers filled with that sense of self-righteous aggrandizement and this person is bad and we are good and we're gonna maybe this person isn't entirely bad and I've been trying to see that throughout as often as I possibly can this idea that not only is the world scary but they are teenagers in this world and therefore they don't understand it and because it's a whole new homebrew world and I haven't given all the information out about it yet mm -hmm. I'm hoping to hold a lot of that back as long as I can this idea that we're going to make a bold choice here. Wow, that's really not okay. Shit, we're going to stop doing that now and do this instead. <laughs> like playing with this idea of what makes... Yeah, because a lot of the campaigns we run are in Forgotten Realms or in Faerun, and everyone knows everything about Faerun, which is fine. Mm -hmm. 
but it means that there is this surety, this adult line that we know where we sit and we know what's right and we know what's wrong and that's good. With this, I went, I don't have to do that. They're kids. I can keep giving them red herrings. I can keep playing with this idea of grey morality while also having other characters turn to them and say, you should think this and watching them as teenagers go, we should think this. Should we think shit? (laughs) But in order to do that, you need to have players that buy into that and are willing to live that because yeah. uh, no one it's very hard to play the uncool person or the unsure person or mm-hmm. you know everyone wants to play the hero wants to play and so you need players who are willing to say I'm willing to feel that way I'm willing to feel overwhelmed I'm willing to feel uncertain I'm willing to feel yeah. like you know like this is way beyond my capacity um, so it's not and you know both you and i uh have been blessed with being able to run games on streams that have absolutely wonderful players in it absolutely um and that's not everyone gets that chance i i think one of the things that allows us to do things like that to be um you know experimental to a certain degree as a, as a gm mm. to say one of the th- i teach writing and one of the things i tell my students all the time is a writer is a manipulator. As a writer, you're yeah. you're trying to manipulate your audience into feeling a specific thing, yeah. a specific emotion. Um, and so you have a toolbox for that. And as a GM, I feel that there's a lot of that also where you're trying to manipulate, which is a bad word, but you know, in 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 the mm-hmm. kindest way possible, we can say this word: manipulate your players into experiencing certain emotions, and which is why it's dangerous to have a bad person as a GM because there is that power that's there, especially yes. when your your players are buying in, they have to be mm-hmm. able to feel safe. And um, But there is a lot of that. And I like to do a lot of things like that where sort of experimental or trying different things are kind of going, okay, I, I'm not just writing the story and putting bad guys in, in, in their way <laughs> yeah. in puzzles and then seeing what happens with the roll of the dice. I am trying to create something. I'm trying to yeah. get them to a place right where they can experience experience and experience i guess which is terrible of me to say that way but uh, to have this experience of being mm-hmm. in this position with, with these characters and really feel it and to me as a game master the best compliment i can get is when, when someone goes like i really bought into that like i was yeah. really like in that moment and that's what i guess i tried to do as much as possible i tried to create those moments for the players but you need that Mm. trust you need that confidence you need that level of skill in the players and that ability to get into that but you need also that ability as a gm to say what am i going to do how am i going to do i need to think about it i need to plan it i need to take things into account i need to want to do it there's a lot of self-reflection involved and that to me is the challenge as a gm because writing a good plot coming up (laughs) with a cool npc and you know anyone can do that you can do that with a couple dice and a chart right yeah but saying, all right, what's this thing going to be about? How am I going to get the players there? Am I going to get them to feel safe enough to try this? To me, that that's the challenge that I love in being a GM. It's it's that it's that thing. I don't know if you get this. I certainly get this. Where I'll put something in a in a in a campaign, just put something in. Doesn't matter what it is. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, I'm going to make you care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care why I don't care if it's fear or like that you this is an MP, a beloved NPC who you don't want anything bad to happen to or um I'm going to make this person flesh and blood to you. I'm going to make this this NPC someone that you are actively thinking about and feeling about that they become real to you. Yeah. That is what the 
It is one of the things I am good at and is what I'm going to do, damn it, and it's going to be great. Because I also firmly believe, not just that... I appreciate there is some skill in what players do and in what we do, but I think a huge amount of all of this energy and how this works is fostered. Like, I think there are a huge number of people when given the opportunity to invest in a story and engage in a story as a player and do something with their character that involves them role-playing out of a situation, that, that so many people have the capacity to dive into that deeply if you give them the wherewithal to do so. You give them the openings and give them the, the <laughs> lay the juicy stick in front of them and go, this is yours. Yeah. Take it. I think that people don't get that often offered to them or given to them. It's true. A lot of uh, people just want to, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. You want to just, you know, go through some dungeons and kill some creatures and roll yeah. some dice and like, yeah. uh, oh, knock yourself out. Like, and then there's room mm -hmm. for that. I, I appreciate that too. But I think that uh, a lot of players don't get an opportunity often to be told it's okay he, here. Here's mm -hmm. a, a safe place and here's the thing and go for it, you know, and you can go for it. And, you know and not everyone wants to and not everybody can but when you get that moment like when you really connect with a player and or a group of players and that can happen regularly that's that's a high that's literally a high that's that's what it's all about you know and then riding that line with humor yeah that's the toughest bit i find that hardest like i my mind will often leap to not a joke necessarily but someone will say something and i will <laughs> i try really hard not to snigger every time but I do, it's in my head if nowhere else. And sometimes that deflates a moment, but sometimes the moment needed to be deflated and it's good that the moment was deflated. Sometimes um, big portentous, I just role played really heavily, needs a dick joke. Because yeah. then everyone just calms down out of that moment to something that we can all engage with and enjoy. And I'm especially aware that we have an interesting third parallel that affects us more than other DMs in that we are primarily live DMs. We are primarily streamed DMs. Mm -hmm. Which means that there's not only relationship between us and the players, it's us, the players, and the audience who are watching this. Like, I always find it particularly interesting when I think like, okay, I'll look at some stats. What do people actually want to watch? What is, what yeah. is the show that we've done that is the big success? What is the thing we can replicate? And it's so varied. And it is so such an alchemy of different factors that it's very hard to go. This is the thing, but yeah, by and yeah, but by and large, campaigns that are too portentous and not funny enough, engagement dies down. Yeah. Campaigns that are just comedy and no depth, engagement dies down. You need that balance between we're all players and friends having fun at a table, telling silly jokes and doing dumb little things together, but also here's some super intense roleplay for 30 seconds and then it's back again. It's got to have that seesaw back and forth. The, yeah, the peaks and valleys, right? That's yeah. like traditional, traditional storytelling. You need to have that. If it, you're mm -hmm. always up there, you can't maintain. Exactly. You need to be able to come down, take a breath, remind yourself that these are your friends, that this is a game, <laughs> yeah. that you're having fun. <laughs> but to me, as a you know, I'm many things. I'm a GM, I'm a player, I'm mm. a streamer, but I'm also a watcher of streams. Uh, yeah. I certainly, I, I didn't watch a lot of streams before I got into streaming, but now I try, even if it's like a half hour, an hour I'm listening to, I'm doing something else, I try to watch as much as I can because I want to see what people are doing and, and you know, be inspired by that. Um, but as a watcher of streams, when everyone has that really honest, 
deep-seated guffaw of like something really <laughs> funny just and like it really and it's yeah. not just like someone made 10 dick, dick jokes in a row and then like everyone's all, but like there was this moment and then that happens and there was one like that in fracture which is what made me think of that there was a moment that in fracture when i was watching and, and we had the same thing um in a lot of ways i tried to oh, i don't do? remember exactly what, what it do? was but <laughs> it was ah, i remember exactly what it was i was I listening know. to it I'm sorry. It's fun, don't worry. But saying, I remember the because I remember the, the explosion. Yeah. I remember the explosion of laughing. Um, and I watched later that night, I watched another one, uh, Level One Geek. They're doing this Vason yeah. uh, series, which is very good also. Mm. And whatever, two months ago, whenever they started this thing, they were, they were making the characters and they had money to spend. And I was watching as they were doing that. And then... And went, uh, what should I get with my money? And I said, get a dog and a grenade <laughs> in chat. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And then I got to name the dog and that was cool. But last night, like two months later, they're in this situation. And like, and M's like, do you know what I have because of bleak season? And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, I have a grenade. And like that loud guffaw everybody gave and just that belly laugh yeah. was like, oh, and it didn't end up working at all. But... Uh, <laughs> but that moment of like they were like oh the dragon we don't know what to do we don't have the way to destroy and everyone was so tense mm. and then she the way M delivered that line and the, the whole silliness of it just made people laugh so hard and yeah. you could really tell that it was like oh okay now and then, then we're back we're good to go back and and do that so yeah humor uh, you know I mean I'm being actually fairly serious here but humor is usually my uh my number one weapon of choice <laughs> i think it's it's so good to take something that where, where everyone's feeling very vulnerable and very open and to just give them a chance to go gives them a very quick chance to go we can all have a nice joke and a laugh about this the guffaw is genuine but it also means i get it gives me a very easy way to switch that off if i need to yeah and yeah. i think that's incredibly valuable it is, and again, it's part of that aspect of, as the GM, knowing when to do something and when not to do something and when it's, to push here and when to push that and to say, okay, you know, this moment, we need to play it out. or yeah. And that's 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 just with experience, I guess, that you... you... You said as a watcher, I am of the relatively firm belief that the more streams you watch the more varied streams you watch, the more different people you watch, the better GM you are. Mm. Because you see how everyone else does it. You can pick up a thousand different things from watching a stream, which is great and so, so useful. And you pick up such random things. I, I can't remember who I was watching. It was it was from on our channel. It was one of our GMs. I can't remember who it was. But I remember watching it and going, I should take that and what it was was simply asking for fewer dice rolls. Mm. You have passive skills in in D anD. d It makes life so much easier. You're not well, constantly but, going throw in a random element. You don't need a random element. Sometimes a random element is fantastic and draws focus, but sometimes characters want to go. Well, my character's good at X, so I'm just going to be good at X. And you go, yeah, you're good at X. That's fine. But here's the question with that: I struggle mm. with that because I am of the less dice roll is better frame of mind yes. but i often in the moment think the players spent their points putting him in this skill and when you roll that skill and you succeed it's exciting so i'm always yes. kind of 
should I, you know, and like in Vason, I run a lot of Vason. I love Vason. And in Vason, <laughs> they clearly say in the book, don't make the players roll. If the player says, right. I'm going to go search the armoire and there's something in the armoire, they find it. You can make them roll to find, you know, like more information about that thing oh. or deep, you know, kind of thing. Okay, okay. Let's but take this as a good example, it. though. Let's take this as a good example. It's a great example. I would say DMing 101, if they need to find the thing in the armoire for the plot to continue, don't make it a roll because they might yeah, not, and then yeah, the whole course, thing falls yeah. apart. What is the point? But that's a classic DM thing. Like, let's say, I'm going to look in the armoire, roll me a search or investigation, whatever system you're running, check. I failed it. And usually I'm going, shit. Yeah, exactly. Damn it, oh, damn I need it. them to find the thing, otherwise the book... And we've all done that. Yeah. Like I did that in all my first games. I remember very clearly making that error. And it's an error, but it's one you can replace, one you can fix. Now comes the next bit. Roll to search the thing. Okay. The higher they roll, the more I will give them. Can I limit the information? Can the book be burned or not burned? Like, there are ways you can make the roll mean something, yeah. which I would say is step two finding a way for this information is going to come to you because I need it to come to you and that's fine but what detail of information do I give you and do I hold more stuff back because it makes the plot more interesting if it's more mysterious I've seen versions of that which have worked fantastically well and that tends to be if I need something to happen but a dice roll feels like it's going to give the player more or less that's where I would add it in what I've now moved towards more so is okay I'm going to search the armoire your character has an investigation score of plus whatever. In D&D, it's called a passive. You have a passive skill, which is 10, which is an average dice roll plus the passive skill. Just give them the passive skill. Because their character is good at it, because they put stats in it, and they made it the thing they wanted to do. What uses dice rolls? Pressure. Chance of failure. Chance of failure where failure means something. Chance of failure where the failure adds stress and tension or frankly we've all done this if enough people roll dice one of them will fail yeah the classic being how do you make sure that how do you make sure the party fails a stealth check make the whole party roll a stealth check and don't take the average yeah that that drives me nuts one of the things <laughs> I, again in Vason, if you make a roll that roll is good for the entire scene so if you make a stealth check mm. that che that check is good until that scene's over and, and you know when you're when you're playing a game and like every turn you have to make that such eventually you're going to fail it so we might as well move ahead to the yeah. to the fight you know like of <laughs> yeah of course and we all do it it's it's cheap it's cheap and tricky yeah. and it works for everyone what i tend to do and people who watch channel a lot will notice this is if i don't if i want the stealth to succeed but they've got characters in there who are always going to fail stealth checks i will take an average mm -hmm. if i want the stealth to fail because i think it's funny or interesting or moves the plot forward i don't take an average but that's a super basic thing you as a DM can do. It's a real simple way. And also hint to your players, I'm taking the average. Just roll it. it, it, it but then if you're taking the average anyway, why not just use their passives? Why yeah. does it matter? Why does it make a humongous difference to add a dice roll in? Like, for me, a dice roll should be there to enhance and add tension, not to move the plot forward. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the distinction that's hard to yeah. make, especially as a new GM. Yeah, so, but is. even as yeah. an experienced GM, I, I do it hmm. all the time. I'll get caught in that situation where I'm like, yeah, I do a roll, then they fail. And I'm like, ah, that was stupid. Why did I ask them for a roll? Like, I really need them to so uh, even now with my whatever you know almost 30 years of experience doing it i'm like i still fuck up with that sort of thing all the yeah. time because it's it's very hard to move out of that ingrained feeling of a dice roll because of thing and yeah. the place where i find it comes into a particularly interesting area is combat 
because you can't do that in combat. In combat, everything is a dice roll because it's a game and you're playing a game and therefore things have to succeed or fail and that's part of the game structure. How can you bring that into combat? What I find I end up doing instead is building the world around them with a lot of options of things that could happen, go right, go wrong, whatever, so that whatever the dice rolls are, mm. the narrative of the combat can still progress. So what I find myself doing more and more these days is I'll put combat in a moving arena. Or I'll put combat in a situation where there are ledges to fall off or things they can climb up on. Chances are they won't use that in their dice rolls. It'll be, a, I roll an X to hit, you hit, you miss, whatever. Yeah. But if they succeed and combat is going quickly, finding ways for them to succeed faster so the combat ends, we move on to the next scene so we don't get caught in that terrible, no, keep rolling dice until you take off its last potential hit point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that we don't need. Yeah. Especially on stream, like combat yes. on stream, I'm like, you know, uh, the least amount possible and over with as quickly as possible. <laughs> and I've been known to just like slash an NPC Oh yeah, hit points yeah, 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 yeah. just by a ton of some. Hey, the players have been doing well. It's been it's been fun, it's exciting. It's about to become tedious. How do you kill it? You know, exactly. How do you cheap, cheap and cheerful death? How do you? I exactly, agree. Yeah. Cheap and cheerful death. I think that's a very good way of doing it. And slashing hit points is a very easy way of handling that situation. What I tend to do is build in a scenario where that character can get removed from combat. Yeah, because they're going to win. It is done. Whatever. Um, in the same vein, if they're finding combat difficult, not just these are these creatures are more powerful than you and you are struggling with this, but how can I add more peril that isn't my hit points are going down? Yeah, that's so you're talking you about might all this fall off the bridge. You might um, lose your weapon without fucking with the game's rules too heavily, finding a way to add the stress and tension that isn't. Oh, I'm losing hit points. It's. Oh, I'm 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 knocked over. I'm grappled. These are fantastic tools. Um, I've I've <laughs> I've had my weapon kicked away from me. Um, uh, what was one I did recently? Oh, um, we might fall off this thing that we're all tied to, and a big area of effect spell just happened, and that could burn the ropes that are holding us up, but it could not. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm reminded you're saying that, and these are all things that I totally believe in also, mm-hmm. and that I try to do. And I'm reminded of that line in, uh, in, in Study in Scarlet by uh, by Doyle, the, the, the Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes story, where Sherlock says, genius is the ability to take pains. And I really think that, a, you know, a good GM, being a good GM is the ability to take pains, to take the time mm. to think about these things, to want to put them in, to come up with different and clever things. And because it's easy to just slap, you know, a monster with a stat block and say, go, oh, speaking Sorry, of, I've got a visitor. Speaking of NPCs, he woke up. He's <laughs> up. Yeah, oh. definitely has the look of the, uh, I just woke up. Yeah. No, no, oh. no face licking. I'm on camera. Mm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but the ability to do that, to say, to self-reflect, to say, how can I make this better? How can I make this more interesting without just it being more hit points and more, mm-hmm. I hit you, hit, I hit you it. And, you know, it's may, it may not be genius, but it's definitely like, that's what it requires, the ability to take pains, to go through that and to say, I'm going to do that extra work. I'm going to think that extra, I'm, you know, I'm going to do those things to make it 
better and more interesting recently. I think D&D in particular over recent years, with 5th edition being so successful, it has also, through small rules tweaks, brought in series of smaller things that have helped with this a lot. Like mythic abilities, uh, mythic legendary resistances. Um, they're building in rules to help GMs with this kind of thinking. Now, I find the idea of, I cast a spell, the monster fails its check, therefore the spell takes effect. No, it doesn't. I just draw a line under that to be a bit heavy-handed from a DM perspective. However, I do think framing it from the perspective of do you want this combat to end now? Because what you've done will do that unless we do some kind of clever thing to bring it down. And mythic abilities in particular, you've knocked all its hit points down, now it's in its Final Fantasy boss fights, now it's in its second, more terrifying form. Yeah. I love that conceptually, because A, Final Fantasy is amazing conceptually, but also it 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 means that the, the, the combat changes. The rules and of the game change. The rules of what you're doing change. And all of that just makes combat more interesting if it rolls. And no one likes anticlimactic combat. No. So again, it's a question of walking that line, of knowing mm -hmm. when to go into it and then pull it back a little bit. And again, yeah. it's the type of thing that makes the GM, you know, really a maester. Like, one of the things that... Oh, I... You watch a conductor, an orchestra conductor. Yes. And, you know... It's arcane what they're doing. You're like, well, what does that even mean? And how are people doing, you know? Yeah. But once you start understanding what they're doing and how they're doing it, mm. it becomes, you know, majestic. It becomes magical because you can, once you start understanding, oh, now he's giving that slight little thing there just to push that. Oh, he's just telling the the wind, the woodwinds, you know, to just go up a little bit. Oh, you know, it makes all that difference. And, and that's, I think, being a gym is what it is. It's like, a game of inches and ounces, you know, of, oh, yeah. just a little bit more here, a little bit more. No, no, I'm going to pull this one back a little bit. And, you know, you can do that on a big scale of, you know, hammer or remove the brick or whatever. And like, yeah. that's, I think like the had to hit points or remove hit points. Yeah. But then you can also do it on that level of, okay, well, here's that little pinch of this. And that's just mm -hmm. that moving thing or that. And that, that's what I find interesting as a gem to, try to achieve those things to better myself at doing those things to think about those things and that's where the art form i think comes in to what we do as pompous as that sounds well there is as you said to be a dm requires a certain amount of ego but there's there's, there's also <laughs> like it's facilitatory like yeah because yeah, it's in service of the people for me and i know that sounds self-deprecating but it, it, if I wanted to tell a story that I had written, I could just write it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wouldn't be very good because, surprise, surprise, the stuff that makes these stories really great and makes them work are the players bringing their characters and role-playing. Well, I don't know if you have this. Sometimes I just sit there while GMing and when you don't do a lot when they're role-playing and you just stay just out sit it. back and yeah. just be amazed. Just just become a spectator yeah you know being entertained i love that that's my that's my favorite thing when you can just kind of kick back and even if they'll go on for 20 minutes or whatever and you're just like hey go you know and do you not do you also feel at those points i feel at those points i go oh this has nothing to do with me and that's brilliant you know i don't think that and maybe it's because uh my ego's a bit bigger but I don't think that it has nothing to do with me, but I do think that my job's done. Interesting. Like, 
I've done what was needed to get them here. <laughs> and yes. now... I agree with now. that statement. I've done what was needed to get them here, and I'm glad that they are here and they're making something amazing, but also... Now it's in their hands. If I wasn't here right now, that would be totally fine. Yeah. And that is actually more valuable, because it means this isn't a world I've created and I am there churning under the surface, making sure that you're all engaged and excited and enjoying it. People it's are that, living it. I don't need to do that right yeah. now. I don't need to be there adding more gas or adding more juice. It's 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 happening now. That's And that's where it becomes a living world, right? That's yeah. where it's being lived rather than being played or experienced or viewed. Mm. It becomes something that people are just doing. Watching, uh, yeah, your, you're, watching your project exist outside of yourself. Yeah, there are absolutely. very few art forms where that exists. I think it's kind of like if you're a, a musician and years later you hear your song come on the radio or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We're like, oh, that thing's out there and people are listening to it and liking it. And I've done my part. Like, I've moved away. I've walked off. The Is that stage. a cover of my song? Yeah, cool. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, and, 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 and I love that too, because I do think that, you know, uh, it's like a play. The actors can show mm -hmm. up in the middle of a park and do the play. Um, but what you add as a GM with the set and the lighting and, you know, and then part of the script and, you know, the directions and stuff like that is what really frames it. And then but it, then the players come in and they breathe life into it. You know? But it's so fascinating because from a theatre perspective, I can't think of a more ego-driven profession than a theatre <laughs> director <laughs> or a theatre writer. The amount of times I've been working on a project where the writer's been in the room and gone, it's not really how I conceived of it. Like, you're like mm. who gives a shit, buddy? Like, it's not important now. <laughs> and... Why is it that this is the this is the profession where people go, it is no longer mine and I couldn't be happier when that doesn't happen in all of those others because it's you've taken what was mine and you've you've changed it. You've tweaked it in a way that I did not like and did not approve of. It is wrong. Yeah. Again, that's that skill of a gym of being able to to say that. And some some directors are like that. After after it's mm -hmm. you know the premiere, they're like, okay. You know, our musicians will be like that too, like hearing a cover, like you were just saying. Mm. I mean, going, well, that's not how I did it, but this is great. Like, I, I enjoyed this. And I, I think now it comes down to what kind of person you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that within the context of a role playing game, it's all, you know, as much as theater is collaborative to a certain degree, there's still at the end of the day or filmmaking, the director usually or whoever's holding the string purse, perhaps, but the director's calling the shots and that's kind of how it functions, but with, you know, the collaborative aspect of TTRPG. And I know that I, I, I keep hearing things here and there, you know, on the interwebs and on the Twitters and all mm -hmm. that, where people are like, it's not collaborative and it's not, it's not the same. And, <laughs> and I'm like, if it's not collaborative, then, you know, you remember those books, the books where you are the hero that I don't mm -hmm. know if you play those, I play those with a kid, like, if you, that's what you want to play, then yeah, sure. It's not collaborative because it doesn't matter what you think if you're going left and it's a pit you're dead <sighs> but if you're inviting people over to play with you and you're not going to uh, agree that they have their say in the matter to a certain degree more or less depending on how your group likes to function your dynamic mm -hmm. you're you're lying to yourself i think because by the very act of them being there and not being they're not an audience that's what i say with um, again with my students at the time you go watch a movie you get zero decisions to make 
<laughs> the colors of things, the sound of things, the shape of the room, the face of that's all predecided. It just yes. watch it washes over you. When you read a book, it's different. You have to supply a lot of that. Mm. So in essence, the book is always kind of a discussion between you and the author. It's, it's, it's that argument. It's it's very easy to passively watch. It's very yeah. hard to passively read. Yeah. So and yeah. I think that that's maybe that difference. TTRPGs is very difficult to do passively. And we see it. One of the great aspects of streaming is the audience interaction, which yeah. we get often. One of the things that we love uh, at SAG, our audience isn't big, but it's the same people coming back and they get into it. And the stuff that they say and the cheering bits and their, you know, that participation aspect of it is very, very core to the experience. Oh, another one. Yeah. Two. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's a sausage dog. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's half Daxi, half Jet Russell. He is our first dog. He oh. is my absolute baby, but he is also an absolute grub. Oh, aren't you those? Yeah. Um, oh, hmm. my girlfriend and I, when we see some in the streets, we'll take pictures and send <laughs> Look what I saw today. Oh, well, this is bad. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, that thought, it is a nice one to end on. But I think I want to end on it for in, in a in a conversant way, if you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. Because I think... I don't like making big sweeping statements about the internet and the people on it, but I do think that there is a tendency, especially on social media, to want to stand counter. To want to be different. Shushy. And I think to a certain extent, people who watch streams will sometimes go, it's not collaborative. That person is in charge and they're doing whatever they think is best. And the other people are just there and along for the ride. I think an element of that is feeling like it's impossible to have that kind of collaborative storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think an element of that, aside from it being impossible, is also people thinking that you can say it's collaborative, but from my experience, that doesn't really exist. It's actually one person in charge saying it's collaborative and no one's going, yes, boss, it's collaborative. Which isn't really part of my world, but I am aware it's part of a lot of people's worlds. Mm -hmm. A lot of jobs that is, you know, the, the bank you work for, and uh, it's making a very grandiose statement about banks, but I think it's only fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are a collaborative in a unit of people who all work on this thing. Yes, boss, we're a collaborative unit of people who work on this thing. If you're used to that kind of dialectic, then of course you watch a GM play and go, no, it's all big hand on top telling them what to do. And the old joke that, of course, it must be scripted. Of course, it must be scripted. None of this stuff could happen organically. When it does all the time, and the more time you spend doing it, the more you go, this stuff does happen organically. And the more I let it yeah. happen organically, the better stories are told. Like, people, the reactions to the Critical Role TV show, I think, are fascinating. Because people who know the show, who know the um, streamed game, get excited about watching the scenes that they love. People who don't know it go, this is so random. This is so weird. Why did they write this? And you go, they didn't. They were yeah. playing D&D, &D and weird shit happened, and they rolled with it, because that's the point of the game. Like, why do they chase after the dragon by going up its ass? Well, it's a really weird thing to do. <laughs> it feels totally really wrong for the entire rest of the show, and you go, because it's D&D &D and weird shit like that happens all the fucking time. 
that that should be on a t-shirt we were playing D and some weird shit happened <laughs> well i the thing i'm most worried about with the film is that they're clearly using dialogue and and tone to try and replicate that idea mm-hmm. that it's random that sometimes weird stuff happens as part of plot and you have to go with it and i'm not sure if it in. yeah i'm not sure if i buy in because that's written by someone and unless you are going like one of the things about Game of Thrones it gets thrown back as well is that a lot of Game of Thrones was George R. R. Martin doing some role-playing with friends and coming up with... Like, the reason the narrative arcs in these weird ways and some really fucked up stuff happens, more often than not, is just a role-play experience of wouldn't this be the most fucked up thing that could happen here? Yeah. And I think a lot of that really awesome storytelling comes from a place of organic collaboration and that a lot of people outside of the world of spaces where organic collaboration is so commonplace, look at it and go, it can't be. There's no way. I don't believe it. But when you're in it, you can see people faking it and going, that's not it. Yeah. And can I give you a concrete example of that? Please do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the uh, My Own Brew um, Shade Song game that we just finished a uh, five-part arc on, on, on mm. uh, Guild Sphere, um at some point i like to give magical items a story and a weird name and all that one of the uh characters dave actually dmd was playing a character who was this old old man who had spent all of his life he wanted to play this character spent all of his life kind of cloistered and researching and he just wanted to go out and live an adventure before it was too late and so he's like and when we were doing magical items like okay well i'll give him something that connects to that and i right there just not connected to anything at all in the game i created this item that was these pieces of this crown from the ancient thane and that he had made a deal with the gods to let the giants not be hunted by humans anymore but he had to give up his crown to do that and they had broken up his crown and hidden the parts on different worlds and then he was disappeared and there were a lot of prophecies about him come back uh and you have one of these pieces of this crown and you've been researching this totally throwaway and I gave, we had a guest coming on in the third episode who was in another world that they met. They went to kind of Valhalla kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he had a second piece because I wanted him to achieve something of his of his life's quest. So this other NPC, this other player that was coming in to guest for one episode who stayed for three, because um, it just worked out that way, had another piece. And the moment he had those two pieces, they got into a combat and we're using the Dragon Bane system and it's super deadly. Okay. And one of the players died. One of the player characters died. And out of nowhere at all, Dave had the second piece that he'd gotten off the other player. And he said, we're in the afterlife. This thing was agreeable. I'm going to just use this and try to channel my energy into this and try to do something. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like, to me, this is... And so he's he does this thing and I'm like, okay just do a magical roll so I can see like to what mm-hmm. amplification the effect happens sort of thing so he makes his roll and he got a real high roll and I'm like well fuck it you know what yeah. and so I worked with the other player afterwards and I said your character is dead but now the thane has come back that original thane and he's in your character's body and <laughs> from that moment on and that was nothing from that moment on mm. the story became about this and this was one of my best players scoozy who's just phenomenal mm. uh, he really took this and he was playing a character that was really had super low intelligence and he was just kind of this like big goof mm. and he started playing this transition as that old personality was fading away and this new one 
and we worked it out a little bit. We're like, okay, well, he feels that uh, what the 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 Jotuns have become is kind of disgraceful. And this is not what he gave up his crown for, and all. And anyways, and by the end of it, the story became about one his return and like w what he saw the Jotuns, and then that <laughs> Insomnia Knight, who also runs his own his own. Um, stream but was playing was a guest player for one game and ended up staying three because <laughs> things just kind of chained out his yeah. character's redemption arc because he played that character in another game last year and his character had died without his sword in his hand so he was in inferno and he never made it into valhalla and now he had this chance to be redeemed in the end so it was all of that which was the back half of my storyline or the, the game mm -hmm. i did not i had no inkling of was not yeah. planned by me was entirely the players did something and i was like this is more interesting than what i'd planned this is great it's gonna make them feel like they had this impact on this world like they changed something and we went with it and if that's not collaborative i have no clue what is because until that moment until dave took that gem absolutely and said i'd try to do something <laughs> you know <laughs> i, I mean, was like I, you live for those when a player goes yeah. i want to do something do you know what no <laughs> Uh, and I was like, I to me that that Thane character coming back, there was never at all something I thought of. But when and, the player did that, it and created there's that where a dice roll is really cool, because there's where a dice roll became he rolled high, and I felt like I had to honor that. Yeah, that's a cool outcome. He rolled low; it had to go super badly wrong. That's an outcome. Like. <laughs> Next week's Fracture, no spoilers. Look out for some Nat ones that make some serious impact on story points. Oh, yeah. And they are Nat ones where you go, geez, okay. And we had to like, you can see all of us at the table going, okay, recalibrate this, because yeah. oh my god. And it just it cycles down. And it's moments like that where you go, okay, the value of dice rolls is unquestionable, but finding yeah. the right place to make them add or scare that moment completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so not make it a, a roadblock thing, but make it a changing Absolutely. the direction of the narrative and creating Absolutely. something out of it, right? It has to be a creation moment, not a uh, destruction moment, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, well, we, well, we got through one question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did we fail? Does that no, mean? No, no, no. This Did is so normal for me. This is so Are we fired now? <laughs> I always do this. I always just get into these lovely rambling conversations with really intelligent, interesting, fascinating people, much like yourself, Mr. Allen. Thank and you. And tonight you did it with me oh. because there was none of those people around. No, you are a star. I super this appreciate <laughs> This is lovely stuff. Uh, thank you absolutely. For I super appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for the show, everyone. Thank you um, for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, uh, we stream. Uh, our talk show on Fridays, uh, 6 till 7 p.m. It's either Talk Together or Talking as a Free Action. Um, yes, and we stream D&D games on Mondays and Tuesdays. We've talked about some of them, but uh, check those out at twitch.tv slash RPG, or you can find them on YouTube at youtube.com slash RPG, or there's podcast versions. Just search your podcasting app for Roll Together RPG, and you should be able to find it. Um, yes, enough about Roll Together. We're great, but let's hear about Guild Superior, Superior Adventurers Guild, where can people find the shows? Plug, plug, plug. Let's jump. All right. So Twitch, uh, obviously, uh, for such Guild Superior, we are also on YouTube uh, on Guild Superior. Uh, if I may be allowed, I would like to plug one thing, which is uh, DM Dave this weekend, uh, part of the uh, Greyhawk Megastream fundraiser for St. Jude's Children Research Hospital. There are a group of great, great streamers. Uh, including Phoenixy Wacky, who's also in oh. uh, our stream team, yeah. and a group of other people 
uh, doing games all weekends to raise money for St. Jude's children. And uh, Dave is running one at 8.30 Eastern on Guild Superior's channel. Uh, so if you can, tune in for that. Uh, and otherwise, come on in, check us out. We are uh, always happy to have new people. Uh, we're same thing, Guild Superior on Twitter. I'm at Double League Season on Twitter. Find me there. Come and hang out. Come see our shows. We love having fun with people and uh, super appreciate the invite to come here. It was a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, it was a real pleasure. Same. Well, friends, that's all from us. Um, massive thank you again to the T20 Club on Patreon. You are marvelous. Join them if you can. And otherwise, see you soon, friends. Bye-bye. Ciao.